0: and welcome to the social Work cafe podcast this is a light-hearted educational series fueled by coffee and conversation where we answer the question what is social work so go brew your favorite drink tell everyone you are doing some professional development and come join me dr b in the social work cafe All right. Welcome everybody and a very special welcome to Ashton Hayes. Hello Ashton. Hi there. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on to my podcast. It's well, this is a special episode because it's two podcasters uh today. And a special shout out to my colleague Belinda Cash. She was the one who sent me a message on Facebook saying, hey, you need to check out this woman and she's got a podcast, looks really interesting. So I'm like, okay, here's this Ashton Hayes. And lo and behold, I come across your podcast, Ashton, called Becoming an Accredited Mental Health Social Worker. And I thought, "Ah, oh, yes, I need to talk to this woman immediately because as an educator, I get students asking me about, you know, what is accredited mental health? What is it all about? Is it worth it? What do you have to do? And also sometimes newly qualified social workers who are just getting into their careers and are finding their career paths. And, of course, when they ask me, I'm just like, um, sorry, I don't actually know. I haven't been through the process and I fumble around and try and find someone for them. For them. But to know that there's someone with a podcast and a, a service mm-hmm. out there who's really knee deep or well, shoulders, head deep, into yeah. this world, I thought, okay, let's talk all about that. So first of all, Ashton, could you just tell us a little bit about your social work background for us and how you got to this point of, yeah, fo- you know, focusing on a, a business in particular around helping people through the accreditation process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to say thank you for having me first of all cuz uh I'm I'm always really excited to share about mental health accreditation and pretty much all things social work. So I guess I come from a family of people in helping professions. Although that never really occurred to me until I went into a helping profession. Like I, I just I didn't even think about it. But I really Wanted to do work that involved helping people. So initially I was working in the legal field and focusing on out of home care and child protection. And I was working with legal aid solicitors and I decided that's what I wanted to do is to become a legal aid uh, solicitor and support uh, children really. Mm -hmm. And then My circumstances changed and I realised I just didn't have the capacity to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week to do that kind of work, although (laughs) one might say that a social worker... I was just
0: thinking that too, like, well, social workers can often work long hours too.
1: (laughs) We can indeed, but I think, you know, at the time it was more family-friendly for me to go... To change disciplines and go into social work.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a big attraction of coming into the profession. And what a big driver for a lot of our students. I, I totally agree with you there.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it can be hard to kind of work in that uh, space where you're working sort of like 7 a.m. to midnight in a, in a legal firm, particularly if you've got a big case on. And so, yeah, that's why I decided to go into social work, and I looked at it a little bit more closely and I realised a lot of the values that I was wanting to bring to my work very much aligned with social work. Mm -hmm. And I have never been sorry that I chose social work. From sort of day one I felt that I was with my people. Yep. and It's It's a beautiful
0: feeling, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It is actually really great. Uh, It's something that was so special to me back then, and I found pretty much everyone that I worked with to be really supportive and interesting and coming from diverse backgrounds. And that was just something that I was really interested in. So that's pretty much how I, how I went into social work. And because a lot of my work was in domestic and family violence and child protection work, uh, some forensics work, a couple of years into my career, I decided to do a master's in criminology because that kind of sat along some of the interests that I had. I started to really see so much trauma and the impacts of trauma and mental health issues that with early intervention or really any intervention could be, promote some really significant healing and, and change the trajectory of a lot of people's pathway. Right. And so I kind of came to a point in my career where I was working in a senior management role and I just knew that I wanted to go back to frontline work, and I wanted to focus
0: on mental health. So that's what I did. Wow, yeah, what a journey. And I can, it just sounds so logical the way that you describe it. You know, I went from this to this, and your story about finding social work and how it sits with your values resonates with me and so many other people I know and, and students I've taught over the years. It really is when you find that fit, beautiful things happen from there. So you became then at that point an accredited mental health social worker? No. So this is this is um, an important point I think
1: that a lot of social workers don't get and I certainly didn't get it at the time either. So I decided, okay, I want to do frontline work and I probably want to go into private practice or become an accredited mental health social worker. Mm-hmm. And because I've had years of doing... Um, of managing therapeutic casework and doing therapeutic casework and being very focused and trauma informed around mental health and the impacts from trauma. I felt that my experience was pretty significant. And when I went to look at the application and apply, I realized that what I was doing was not actually therapeutic intervention using focused psychological strategies
0: for the purposes
1: of Treating
0: mental health. right, there was a little disconnect there. Okay,
1: yeah, because therapeutic casework, whilst it's very important, and there's a, and there's intervention and support there, it isn't the same in my experience as mm-hmm. mental health interventions mm-hmm. within the parameters set by the Medicare benefits system, which. Then the AASW have, uh, have to incorporate into our application because ultimately that's, that's where those, that's where those guidelines sit. That's where those brands, they don't, they're not actually developed.
0: That is such an essential point. I see what you mean now. Like, so the Medicare system mm-hmm. that allows social workers to be a provider, it's set up in a particular way and it has particular sort of requirements. Around what, how they define psychological services and mental health interventions. So, and sometimes, and I, I've I've heard social workers sometimes say it feels a bit narrow in what it focuses on compared to what you know the full scope of social work. We are, you know, so much broader. But you need to be able to speak to that system, don't you, when you're going through the the process. So it sounds like your own journey to become accredited was quite a learning journey in and of itself wasn't it?
1: Oh it absolutely was and I was lucky enough to get a role working in sexual assault counselling which is something that I had been particularly interested in for a few years really. Um, there'd been a stage where the uh, sexual Assault Service in the in the place in Sydney where I was living at the time mm. had come out to do a service visit, and I had been so moved by the work that they were doing, and it had always stayed on my mind. So when a role came up, I applied for it, and I was lucky enough to get that role. Yes, and that was so I knew at that time, and that I would need to do two years of full time post qualifying experience. Right, so I, I knew that I had. To, I was starting from. The start of two years, mm-hmm. which can feel, and I, you know, I don't mind saying I wasn't 25 at the time,
0: I was a more mature lass. Um, quite a, well, quite a, an experienced social yeah. worker. I mean, to be in you know, management leadership roles, you don't yeah. just fall into that. So, I can see why you'd be feeling like, oh gosh, I feel like I'm starting again,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. but I am so glad I did. There was a lot of fantastic, really helpful training in that role. It was a a tough role. Sexual assault counselling is can be very distressing, as you can imagine at times, Mm. but also incredibly rewarding. And I was very lucky to work with some just amazing, experienced colleagues who really helped guide me and support me in that space. And so I probably was into that role, I was probably about 12 months in or maybe 18 months in when I realised, you know what, As much as it's helpful for me, I want to work for myself. I was finding the some of the limitations on the work that we were doing, particularly around the interventions we were allowed to use because in a forensic space there may be ongoing legal proceedings which mean Mm. that there are particular interventions that you may not be able to And that felt to me a little bit stifling. I'll
0: stifle it, Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And so I started private practice about six months before I applied for my accreditation. So I kind of sat half in, half in my sexual assault counselling role and half in
0: private. Oh, you were doing both. And you sort of, You know what, that's a very similar story to Cass Fletcher and mm-hmm. an episode I'm, I'm doing with her on, on how she went into private practice, sexual assault counsellor as well and, mm-hmm. you know, developed a plan to go into private practice and to sort of scale out of the sexual assault role mm. into the private practice, but you were also doing all of these with that end goal in mind of wanting to get that accredited mental health. What What's the benefit of getting that accreditation? Why would why would anyone want to get it?
1: Right. Well, the main benefit is that you can apply to become a Medicare provider. Mm-hmm. So once you're a Medicare provider, you can bulk bill if you want to, which means there's no cost at all to the client. Or you can charge a gap, or you know, it's it. It makes it more accessible, I guess, to people who don't have hundreds of dollars to pay out for mental health services. Ah. unfortunately, in as it currently sits, we don't get the same rebate as registered sites or clin sites, which is probably a discussion I could have for a really long time. I, I, I given that we actually do the same work. Mm. given that we have to have two years post-qualifying experience and we have to go through an accreditation process. I'm not really sure about how those uh, rebate numbers were set, but I certainly feel very strongly about it. And anyone who sees me on Twitter or any other social media might see me speaking very strongly about that. But the the main benefit in terms of flexibility, I would say, is that you can have that Medicare benefit um, scheme uh, provider number, which means that, say for example, you charge a hundred dollars, uh, which is very, uh, which is a low fee. But say you do, then the client gets seventy nine dollars and five cents back, which is, yes. you know, around um, a tw- what is it, twenty
0: dollars and ninety five cents. Let's yeah.
1: round it to thirty because <laughs> ultimately, I am a social worker, not a mathematician.
0: Someone else can do the maths.
1: <laughs> so you get around. Uh, so the gap is very small for them, mm. right? The unfortunate thing around that is that if it was a little bit higher, so I think clean sites are around 120, it would mean that we would be even more accessible because it's very hard to run a clinic for $79.05. Yeah. Or even $100 per client. It's, it's, it's hard to pay out all the costs required to run a clinic on that. So, so that's the, Medicare is kind of, in my opinion, the biggest benefit. But the second benefit is that a lot more employers are now looking for social workers who have mental health accreditation.
0: They're expecting it, are they? Yeah. That's interesting shift. I haven't noticed that myself.
1: Yes. And the thing is, with mental health accreditation, what you're telling your employer is, I have completed the training. I've completed the clinical supervision. I've been recognised by my accrediting body
0: as as a a leader. It's a it's considered a leadership, you know, thing. I was just on the website before we started having a look at the ASSW has multiple credential opportunities, Mm -hmm. but with mental health, they really talk about that. Yeah, it shows you are committed to lifelong learning as well.
1: Absolutely, because we need to complete. 40 hours including supervision every year. So so once you're accredited, you must maintain your accreditation by keeping up with all of your CPD and your supervision. But ultimately, an, an accredited mental health social worker has that recognition, I guess that formal recognition of being a specialist in the mental health field. So an employer may say, I require you to have this because it means that you've met a certain threshold of training And experience
0: that we want. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is not to say that there aren't a lot of incredibly dedicated, experienced and well trained clinicians out there who don't have their mental health accreditation because Mm. there is a little bit of a narrowing of criteria in terms of meeting the criteria. There are some really wonderful clinicians out there who haven't, who who don't meet the criteria because of how the Medicare benefit scheme sets it up
0: yeah the parameters like we were saying earlier
1: yeah yeah but yeah the benefits are definitely with employers negotiation of a higher salary because you are a specialist mental health clinician and of course medicare which allows you to Have a bit of, a bit more flexibility and freedom in your career. A lot of us, particularly as we get older, we may feel like I really, I want to go into mental health accreditation just to have a little bit. I might work two days here, two days there. And a lot of people have it as a retirement plan.
0: Of course. And with this whole, with COVID happening over the last few years and the idea of remote work and Mm -hmm. work-life balance has been, you know, at the forefront of conversations again, I can see why private practice is something that's, you know, people are uh, increasingly interested in. And Mm. I've in speaking with Cindy Smith, the CEO of the ASSW, like she's saying the numbers of accredited mental health social work are going up every year so there's definitely an appetite for people to go through this process so i'm curious then to speak just a little bit to that process and, and what it generally entails and and speaking to your podcasting experience because you've interviewed people on there mm-hmm. you know your, your episodes just look and sound so interesting like talking to people who've been there done it they're mm-hmm. all quite diverse to the people yeah. like have different backgrounds it's we're not all and It speaks to the diversity of social work. I do vaguely remember it was probably five years ago though. Now, no, maybe even less. One of my friends decided to get accredited and she needed help with some proofreading. And that was my first kind of glimpse behind the curtain to see. And we were, I was reading, you know, case studies or something. And I'm like, what am I reading? This looks huge and it's like doing essays all over again, but I don't want to scare people off. But I was, but yeah, it seemed like a, a quite a process for her. So yeah, what what's been your experience, not just your, yourself personally, but the people that you mentor, the people you've had on your podcast? What do they go through to get this accreditation?
1: They go through a lot. <laughs> I, I want to be really open about that, and and you know, I, I've said this a million times. I say it on the podcast and to whomever I speak to that you know, for me. I couldn't find specialist support at the time. So I definitely could find people who'd been through it. In fact, I was working with a colleague uh, who'd been through it. But her experience had been very different. And so over the years, I think the process has evolved. Mm. And it's now very clearly a process to make sure that people are meeting the criteria. And so... Uh, you know, I say to people, give yourself three months and, and to, if you're, if you're ready, if you meet all the criteria, give yourself three months to write it because it is hard. It's not like writing an essay and it's not like writing a job description, uh, a job application.
0: It's bigger than that, isn't it?
1: It is bigger. I think though, I think it's more about people understanding that they're not just answering a question. They, they have to demonstrate that they yes. understand what's being asked of and if you don't have the experience in the area of mental health and when I say the experience you know doing therapy yeah that that's essentially what you have to do you have to be treating mental health issues in a therapeutic space and
0: speak to that really clearly
1: yeah so this is why you need that two years out in the field and I, I'm very happy to admit that you know for myself for all my experience all my study or the area of specialization that I love I majored in forensic mental health as part of my criminology degree. It still was different when I went into actual treating of mental health. And so there is a lot of gaining that experience. I recommend that people look at places like Headspace or community mental health or anywhere where you're actually doing therapeutic intervention. Mm. And I recommend that you start really thinking about how do my social work Values ethics standards sit within this Medicare benefit scheme, space, yeah, yep. right? Because you do need to have training in focused psychological strategies. There are specific FPS that those, those of in the, in the game, we call <laughs> it the FPS. There's always the a space. language within
0: a system, isn't it? The acronyms. So feel Absolutely. free to yeah, <laughs> throw them in and, and teach us.
1: So, you know, you have to have specific. Training in the focus psychological strategies. You have to have specific training in mental health. You must have had clinical supervision. So that comes to 40 hours and you must do that every financial. Mm. So sometimes people will come to me for a consultation and realize, hang on a second, I'm behind on my CPD. Yeah. Or people will come to me with experience that doesn't quite meet the criteria. And that can be a disappointing. Uh, consultation with me I don't like to disappoint people of course but it can be disappointing to realize hang on a second all the time I thought I was working in a role that would meet the criteria and it doesn't
0: yeah but you can resonate a little bit with that from your own experience I I I,
1: certainly so
0: yeah that those empathy skills would very much come into focus there
1: (laughs) yeah oh absolutely and so essentially, what you need to do is is make sure you've got your scaffolding in place, and that's the work that I do initially. Then we start to look at how we can be aware of the practice standards that you have to respond to as you work through your experience, and then we get to the writing. And the thing with social workers, particularly me, because I started in law and and I'm a social worker, and we want to. Explain that this person doesn't have something wrong with them. Yeah. They are the product of what's happened to them. Yeah. And their mental health is like this because of these experiences. And that's really hard to do in 2000.
0: Yes. Yes. So, you know what? That takes us back to maybe the university experience. Like we give you a word limit for a reason. I certainly in my own as an educator, there are certain assignments. I've actually tried to limit the word limit, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Because I um you know, there are times you're like, get to the point. Yeah. You've got to learn how to get to the point. you yeah. got, like you were saying earlier, you've got to know how to write to the criteria. Don't mm-hmm. fluff. Don't yeah. go off on tangents. Yeah. You won't get the job. You won't necessarily, yeah, then get the accreditation yeah. that you are working so hard towards.
1: Yeah. And I think people have heard a lot of horror stories about it. And, you know, this adds to people's nerves. A lot of people have imposter syndrome, that kind of thing. But I have, worked really hard to keep up to date with all of the changes so even though i've been accredited for several years Mm -hmm. uh and i'm honest it took me a year to write it i i did not find it easy but i i every time there's a change i work through the change myself as well so that i'm Mm -hmm. always on the same page as my supervisees or anyone who's involved in my facebook group I always want to make sure that the information that I'm giving is 100% up to date, and I just want to make sure that this isn't a situation where people are coming to me and I say, oh, I got mine years ago, so just do this. That's not the case at all.
0: It is a changing thing, isn't it, It all the time? Yeah. And there's a lot of information to sift through and get your head around. Yeah, Yeah. So that's why the podcast
1: came about as well, because all of the people on my podcast thus far are people who've been through it in the last couple of years when the most significant changes have come through. Mm. So this means we're very current with the kind of experience that people are having. Yeah, right? yeah. And so I think I think some of the big things that have come up through the interviews that I've had is just that people feel a real sense of accomplishment.
0: Mm. When they get they, there.
1: When they get there, yeah. And that they've been able to really reflect on their practice and their skill as part of the application process and really be thoughtful around it yeah and I think most of my interview interviewees on the podcast have also kind of said things like it feels like a real recognition of all that really hard and specialized work and training that they're in.
0: absolutely I'm, i I can almost feel that coming through in the way you're describing it. It would be a really good feeling to get there and go, yes, and to help validate you and and recognize your hard work. And But also hopefully you're learning to validate yourself throughout the whole process as you're doing this and, and go, yes, I am doing good work, you know, good social work that warrants this application. And sometimes we're a little fearful, I think, or some people are fearful in social work to take credit, but, Take credit mm-hmm. where credit is due. <laughs> so, it, something I'm taking from this ca- conversation, Ashton, is giving yourself as much time as possible to prepare for this. Don't think you can just wake up tomorrow mm-hmm. and go. I'm going to pull that application together and and send it off. It can, like you said, you you advise people give yourself a minimum of three months. Yeah. But in your own personal, it might take even longer. Mm-hmm. So be be willing, be prepared to plan ahead. And take the time that is necessary to do this application, but to, yeah, to do everything you need to do to meet the criteria. What other advice would you give to people about, yeah, how to get that, like you said, to that finish point? Well, it's, it's a finish in the sense you get the accreditation, but then it's a starting point all over again. Yeah. But what other advice would you give to people about, yeah, who are career planning and want to work towards that accreditation?
1: Things I would say is it doesn't matter how old you are. Uh, um, if you, I certainly was not a young person at all when I looked at mine, and I'd been in the field for over a decade. Those two years, I think, if anything, since March 2020, if anything, we've been taught during that time is that time is a social construct, right? So <laughs> yes. um, don't kind of see yourself as, oh, I've got, oh, no, I have to start from new start, I have to do another two years. Those two years are going to pass irrespective of what you decide to do. Mm-hmm. Now, so don't let that be a barrier because mm-hmm. I certainly, when I started and I'd gone from managing a team of 40 staff to being on a small team and managed, which was a challenge and a learning experience. But those two years went really quickly. I was in private practice within 18 months and definitely have met my mm-hmm. goals. So don't, don't let that hold you back. I think if you are planning... Plan, have, if, if you're going straight, having said about age, I'm going to probably contradict myself a little bit here, but if you're, say you went straight from high school to university and you're graduating at 22 or 23. Yeah. Really give yourself time out in the field to be a social worker because mm. it's such a fantastic career. I mean, I'm really passionate about it, of course. So it's an amazing career where you can soak up those that first year or two out in the field, particularly when you're very young.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just this amazing time of development and understanding and planning and really being the social worker that you want to be. Right? Mm, mm. And then start to have a look at where you want to specialise. If you want to specialise in mental health, great. But then look at what clients do you want to work with kids? Do you want to work with adults? Do yeah. you want to work in hospitals? Do you want to work in NGOs? Like where is it that you want to work? The other thing that I strongly advise all social workers, keep a reflective journey. Mm. It is such a great tool to look back on. Okay, you know what? I really was... I really was on point in that part of the work that I was doing. That's a pathway that's really important to me, right? That A reflective journal is a great career planning and um, professional development tool to have. And just be open to look for the free stuff. People are doing webinars all the time. People are doing training. Go with what you might feel interested in. I say to people, join the Mental Health Academy. I have no affiliation with them. They do not give me any kind of kickback. But there's some great one, two-hour trainings there that you can yep. invest a small amount of money and time mm. and really get a feel for, okay, I want to specialise in this area. I'm a trauma specialist and I work with adult couples. I'm particularly passionate about EMDR as a, a trauma intervention, but it's taking taken me lots of experience and understanding and training to get to this space. Mm. Yeah. So really allow yourself to be a social
0: worker you're taking me back to my early years. Like, yeah, you're right. It is. It can be like my, particularly my first year out, it was quite exciting and exhausting as well, because yeah, you're going through trying to figure things out, but at the same time you're very idealistic. Mm -hmm. And I always say to people, don't let anyone, particularly cynical workers take away your idealism, hold on to that for dear life and always yeah, stoke the fires of idealism. But you're so right. Like I changed my mind so many times when I got out about what I liked. I I started particularly at the beginning of my qualified, you know, journey thinking, you know, I'd be a problem solving kind of with my theoretical framework. Chucked that into the bin, you know, six months down the track, and mm-hmm. went into narrative. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think if I went back to my CV, mm-hmm. particularly from that first year out, the amount of training I did, the amount of short – I was – because my organisation was really supportive Mm -hmm. of sending us to training. So I just went on anything and everything I could. And, yes, you can just – you start – you never know where it will take you. Like I said, I I had an idea of what I thought I liked and my whole world, theoretical world, just flipped on its head, you know. So allow yourself to enjoy that and and go through that and not be scared by – the learning, and I think you made such a good point. You know, when it comes to if you decide to go for mental health accreditation, and you look at the criteria, and you do realise you don't quite meet all of the criteria, you don't have to think of that as you know. Oh gosh, I'm starting again because you're not. You have got so much. You you are. Bringing, we're just adding to it now. Is and I'm sure that's been your experience with the people you've worked oh, with.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And and for those doing a masters, of course, you will have had to have had some. You have to have been at university and had some experience beforehand. So so usually people doing masters are probably late like twenties and oftentimes thirties, forties, fifties. And I say don't let age stop you. Do a masters at any time.
0: Exactly.
1: But so if you are a little bit older, then and finishing that degree jump into a role that you think you might benefit from in terms of mental health jump into a mental health role have a look at uh, contact agents uh, recruitment agencies and say this is what I want to do and get them to have you on their books I work with a couple of different recruitment agencies who know what my people are after yeah and I've had some amazing feedback of people who have been able to find jobs that work for them. And don't feel like you have to stay in that job for two years if you absolutely hate it.
0: Yes. Yeah, there's so many other
1: options. Especially now. You you are always going to be able to get a job helping people because community is you know part of survival so we need that we need that out there but yes have a look at those jobs like i said uh jobs like headspace they do a lot of really great training jobs like in community mental health there are some private practitioners that will take you on particularly as a student look for placements i take on students in in my clinic there are just yeah the, the sky's the limit don't don't be scared off by it yes it's challenging but you're a social worker that's how we roll
0: that's right. You're used to challenges. You know, you yeah. got through your university degree, mental health accreditation, you'll, you'll get through that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that the beauty of it now is, is that there are more and more people out there who've been through the process mm-hmm. like yourself. So that's probably another bit of advice you'd give. I'd imagine is finding those people, finding you, finding your podcast, but finding others you know, who have been through it, who can support you or mentor you or or whatever. There's more and more of us around who are willing to help out or work with. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, you know, I'd probably drive people up the wall because I'm so passionate about it, you know, and I'm passionate about helping. And I think I'm now lucky enough to have other people who I've supported through their accreditation experience, social workers, who are now coming on board to help out. So, People who people want to help out. Yeah. You know, this is what we want to do. So through the work that I do, I'm gathering more and more people to, to help more and more people, you know. Mm. My yep. goal, I've said it a thousand times before, my goal is to get as many accredited mental health social workers out there as there are registered site. Imagine the support we can give. We hear a lot of stuff in the media about there are not enough psychologists and there probably aren't, mm. right? Except what about the accredited mental health social workers? We're getting out there. Yesterday we celebrated our second one of the year. So we've had, uh, two accredited already this year, which is so exciting.
0: Congrats. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah. So, and so far we've had a 100% success rate. So, you know. You're doing something right. Sure, but also that the people who are doing the work are really doing the work. Yeah, They're passionate about it too. And
0: I can totally get on board with those goals, Ashton, and yeah. and like and do something about getting that, that pay parity. And you know, yes. that accredited mental health social workers are known for their advocacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've spoken about this in another episode where we almost lost that rebate status yes. back in about 2014 15, and and we, you know the whole social work community rallied, you know, to get that overturned and get reinstated. And we're not giving that up for anything. And I think the pandemic, and I don't think we're, my personal view, I don't think it's at risk anymore because there's just so, there are so many more accredited mental health social workers now. Mm -hmm. And with the pandemic, things have changed. You know, with the mental health delivery, it's disappointing to hear our, federal government changing the rebate and the number of sessions on offer mm. that are coming into effect. But yeah, there's still there's a lot of positives around social work in this space. And and you and if you well, when you get accredited, you're joining another community within social work that is doing absolutely. great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And we're always, you know, advocating around that change. I mean, I use social media to do it, but, you know, people yeah. are doing petitions and that kind of thing because it, it's very short-sighted and I think there are a couple of well-known people in the media who who make certain comments that I don't think are helpful mm. uh, and we there's a space for us in there to talk about what can be helpful for people. The more access to our services, the better off our community is.
0: And that's probably something to keep in mind when you're doing the application. Keep Mm -hmm. Remember why you're doing this, you know, what your mission is, what your purpose is, what your values are, because that just gives you intrinsic motivation to get through it all. And So, Ashton, let's go to our final question today, which is that give us your one-sentence definition then without all the jargon, of what is social work.
1: Oh, I've thought about this a lot and my one sentence is holistic support for the human condition.
0: Oh, I like that. Very concise, (laughs) hits the nail with support but also the holism. Mm -hmm. It's also got an existential, you know, bent to it. Like, yeah, the human condition, it involves suffering. It involves pain and trauma. And that's why social workers are probably always going to be needed.
1: We always are. I absolutely feel so strongly about that. And we have evolved as a profession as well. Yes. Over the years and have been able to have our eyes open to people's experiences of us. There have been times when we have not worked well with people, yeah, right?
0: absolutely. But
1: ultimately, the human condition exists and therefore so must we.
0: And we will do it in a holistic way.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I love that. I can't wait to write that up, get that out there, Ashton, and see what others think. I think it works very well as a definition. And even though it's concise it and it doesn't necessarily reflect all the thinking that went into it, It, yeah, it nails it, I think. So thank you. And thank you so much for sharing your time and your, and your knowledge and expertise. It's, it is wonderful to meet a fellow social worker who has found a particular passion, you know, has a a business, a service around that and, and is building communities within social work around this accredited mental health space. So like I said, I'm totally on board with you about, you know, getting as many people accredited as possible it'll lead to even bigger and better things for social work.
1: That's certainly my plan. And thank you so much for having me on today. I just love being able to talk to other social workers and talk about my passion.
0: Thanks. Yeah, pleasure. And please, listeners, go check out Ashton's podcast and and have a listen. It's, It's a great podcast to listen to. So thanks, Ashton. We'll leave things there. Thank you. thank you for joining me today. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. You are most welcome to get in touch and tell me what you gained from the show. You'll find my website details and email in the episode notes. Be sure to check out the notes for other links that you can follow up for further learning and development. While you were there, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss out on the next episode. And feel free to rate and review the podcast so we can reach a wider audience. See you next time in the Social Work Cafe.